OSL is the leading distributor of radiotherapy patient positioning equipment and physics QA products for the UK and Ireland, supplying both the NHS and private sectors. We currently have a busy event schedule and will be attending many conferences in the next few months and many of the regional study days. For a full list of where to meet us, please do get in touch. As well as our event schedule, we also have a busy product portfolio that has recently been updated to. This includes Sky Factory for state-of-the-art visual LED lighting. We have MyQA Ion and Ion RT from IBA for automated patient-specific QA for photon, electron and proton radiotherapy. And we also have MR Box from our AI suppliers at Therapanacea, allowing AI-powered MR-only workflows for a more consistent and high-quality planning pathway. For SGRT, we have a vast range of open-faced thermoplastic masks, as well as surface-guided compatible clear bolus from ClearSight, preventing any risk of interference between the skin surface and your SGRT solution. And as always, do not hesitate to get in touch to discuss your product and service requirements with our friendly and knowledgeable team. Our account and clinical specialists are from a radiotherapy and physics background, and we are more than happy to chat about the clinical benefits and the workflow of all of our products. Hi everyone and welcome to Rad Chat, the multi-award winning therapeutic age of for lead oncology podcast. My name is Jay McNamara and I'm joined by fellow host Norman Jarke Anderson. Hi everyone. So we're here at UKIO and yet again, it's like our annual get together, isn't it? Um, I'm joined by Mr. and Mrs. Diagnostics. <laughs> <laughs> so would you like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Dr. Ian Simcock. I'm the lead clinical academic reader at Great Ormond Street Hospital, uh, and I'm funded by the NIJ. And I'm Claire Simcock, and I'm the lead reader at Great Ormond Street Hospital. Yeah, the, the dynamic duo <laughs> of the diagnostic world. A little weekend away, basically. Yeah, with the kids. absolutely. An Atlantic weekend away in Liverpool. You know? Have you tr- have you treated it to a nice meal, nice bottle of wine? Yeah. yeah, we did go for some drinks, didn't we? <laughs> we? Down the we? <laughs> On the first night without kids, we went out for drinks and some terraces and things. Yeah, okay. There yeah. we go. I mean, I might not have paid, but we did go for <laughs> drinks. <laughs> Who earns more? Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, yes! Yes! <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, Great Ormond Street, um, a really famous place to work. What does it mean to work at somewhere like that? I, I think, I mean, the hospital has a huge reputation yeah. and um, trying to kind of make your radiology department live up to that reputation is a huge challenge. Uh, but the patients that come through the doors of that hospital are absolutely amazing and they, they make the difference. Yeah. And actually, when you uh, see what they go through, it gives you absolute perspective on not just your working day, but your entire life. And suddenly you find a real purpose in what you're doing. We're only bringing just part of the patient pathway. Yeah. But actually, you you walk away at the end of the day feeling that you've made a difference, and all of that feedback comes back from the children. They're amazing at actually what they get through. Do you have to be ready on for the year to work at Gosh? No. <laughs> Apparently not. Then. <laughs> <laughs> What I mean is, <laughs> it's a very prestigious place. Can anyone apply there? Students go for electives, things like that. Yeah, absolutely anybody. What we say to kind of students who've got an interest in paediatrics is contact us the minute you've got that interest in paediatrics. Right. Um, because come and spend some time in the department on elective placement. We don't have an A and E. 
we don't have GP referrals. Right. So actually it feels a very different place and actually yeah. most other children's hospitals will have A&E and GP referrals within it, but we don't. So everything is quaternary and specialist referrals that come in. Yeah. So for those that are then interested in paediatrics, I always advise that post-qualification they get six months experience of adapting technique because every single examination you undertake will not be a textbook radiogram yeah. and you need to pull on a little bit of experience so that you can make that examination successful for the family yeah. and for yourself that actually you've done a good job. So by having that six months of experience gives you the confidence to then think I can apply this in a paediatric setting and so six months post-qualification We've got band five, six, link three jobs, uh, which gives you a transition through to band six. So competency assessment <laughs> objectives that can be met in that individual's own time. So actually, if you want to stay at band five for the next five years, that's absolutely fine. But actually, if you want to kind of meet those objectives within six months, yeah. if you're really ambitious and you want to move through, you can equally do that. And there's some really innovative roles to move into as well, isn't there? We've got reporting readers, we've got clinical academics, we've got people leading research,
I still remember how that feels, and I know your confidence has taken a real knock. But give it a couple of weeks, and you'll soon start to see the real value that your experience is bringing to all the patients that you see every day, and you'll see an interesting case every single patient that comes through the door. And, and to follow that through, I mean, I, I came to Great Ormond Street to do a couple of years of paediatrics. That was my intention. And actually, I've just moved through every modality from a band six, radio to a band seven, to a deputy superintendent, to a superintendent, and now professional lead. And I think, so there's relevance in what I'm saying because I understand. And actually, for me, it's, it's looking at people's attributes and guiding them where they want to be. What is your career trajectory? Where do you want to be? For me, my role simply is just to facilitate that. Yeah. And it clearly demonstrated aptitude for research. Okay, well, let's create opportunities. Let's write business cases. Let's, why do we need to let people go off somewhere else yeah. to fulfill their career aspirations? Let's create those opportunities within our department. And yes, we're niche and we're specialist, but it doesn't mean that we can't still meet all the pillars of the practice in our department. So my job will be done once actually everyone is happy at their final <laughs> point in their careers. But You're never going to retire. No, I'm wheeling me in. And, and I, I'm obviously completely biased, but she does a really good job of that by enabling people to do those types of opportunities. So there's always challenges when you face with a consultant red for post or a clinical academic post or a board red up for whatever. There's challenges to get to. But she fights to the nail for that. And I think the people people know that and so they know that it's not a straightforward thing. But that really means that then they get the dedication because they get actually she's fighting my corner, gonna make this a success and that's why that's why it works I think. So it has to come from the top, doesn't it? And it does. But also it inspires those people then to drive through. And I think that that's the team team culture is that you see other people fighting your cause and it means that you can you can go on and do those things as well. So I think that's really powerful. I suppose with fighting your cause, research, getting involved, what are the funding opportunities? You talked about NIHR, obviously. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and we have to go out there and apply for these grants. You know, there, are, there are grants with the NIHR that are open for radio doctors, and unfortunately, they're also open for other allied health professionals and nurses. If we don't fight for those opportunities, if we don't pursue those valuable funding, then it will go to the professionals, the dietetics, the physios, the place specialists, whatever, they will get it. We won't. So at the moment, less than 3% of the applications the NIHR gets are from our professionals. Shocking. Rubbish. Shocking. Rubbish. So we've got to seize that opportunity. It's not easy, but there are enough of us now who have got some experience that they can help others step onto that plate. And I definitely see that as my role to not only get my own funding, but to nurture that talent that's coming up behind. Because it, you can only get that, and I benefited from that. Somebody saying, you can apply for this. Yeah. Found it really hard, but they then nursed me through that through that experience, and then I feel really powerful that we passionately that we've got to then bring on the next generation, and, and that's it's really satisfying when you see people. I've had loads of conversations this week at UKO with different people, and hopefully it inspires some of them to at least click on the website, open up the application form, and go. Oof, I need a stiff yeah. drink, but I'm going to have a go at that. And the same with the co-rips grants. You know, those are there from the society red offers for people to apply for. And if we don't apply for them, then the numbers will fall, and maybe they'll go, Do you know what, maybe we don't need to fund five every year. Maybe we don't need to fund two every year. So the yeah. more that apply, we demonstrate that there is that ability and that wish out there for people to get that funding, then they maybe 
up the money or up to the to your people to run their own research. So I think that's really important to go out and look at those opportunities that are there and apply for that money. Because someone's going to get to it. Yeah. Why shouldn't it be you? Really? How do you deal with failure? Um, definitely a lot of cups of tea and maybe something stronger and a good moan to uh, Claire or whoever. But I think it's about picking yourself up actually and and listening to those comments that come back. I, I help assess with other people on the Society of Renaissance Research Group, the Curibs Grant. And we always make sure that we feedback why something might not have got funded and, and how it can be improved. And we have definitely had people who have been not successful in the first application, who've taken that on board, applied again, and then been successful in taking that on. And it's always better. The, the, the applications or the research is always better. So it's really hard. And I put a paper in the other day and it got absolutely, absolutely savaged, you know? And, and you close the email and take a deep breath and you go, this isn't a great day or whatever. But I do know that when I reopen it, with a bit of, you know, I've been sat back again, look at it and go, do you know what, there's a couple of harsh comments there, but I can fix those. Yeah. I've got my co-authors or my co-applicants for the grants, and I'll rewrite that bit again. Do you know what, it'll be better, and I'm just going to take it on the chin that it wasn't the perfect thing at first, but it will be better. So I, it's about having stickability and about having that team that you can have the moment to, and then back up going, how do I change that one? How should I improve it? And that's that's what I've got. I've got a fantastic team behind me that make me look good because they can help me all the time. You know, it's not it's not a one man show. It's, it's only happens when it's here. How do you switch to a reviewer? Because I think just having reviewed myself, it's a very difficult skill uh, to get right because you want to critically appraise what you're reading. You want to be able to kind of give constructive feedback, but it is your opinion. Yes, definitely. And I, and certainly when I'm reviewing grants, I always make sure, and I have my little hat on that says, right, I've got to be critical, yeah. but I also have my hat on that I know from my own personal experience how much heart and soul people put into these applications. Yeah. And it's, it's so time consuming, and you put your all into it, and then if you're not successful or people are critical of your work, it does hurt, yeah. it does take a bit. So I always make sure that I do bring attention to the things where I think it can be improved. I try and offer some advice that maybe if it included X or Y or Z, this could be better. Or you maybe need to think about better dissemination or different dissemination or whatever it is. But I also always make sure that I praise what I think is good better. Because no application for a grant is all. There will be bits, nuggets of gems in there that are real than it I did that can then go on to a brilliant. And it's just about changing the bits that aren't quite right yet and making those better. So I always try and start, finish, and whatever, with something actually. But you know what? That was really good. I love the idea, or they should be praised for looking into this area because this is a really important part. You've got to have that, that, that praise in there, I think. So it's really difficult. And I often write it and then reread it and reread my reviews because I, I just know how difficult it can be just getting the stick. Yeah. Not the carrot, really. I think it's, um, it's really important. First paper I put in, I got brutal feedback. The one of the reviewers, one was really nice, but good criticism. The other one was just brutal, but she put her name 
I printed it out and I've got it in my room. Like in, and I remember every time I'm having a bad day, I'm like, that was the worst time. But then I put it in again and it, it did get approved. So, but at least now I know as a reviewer, I don't want to be that. Never person. put your name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well, Nevin's, Nevin's got once it gets published, I will be sending it to her. She's, yeah. she's in Australia as a mammographer. I'm, I'm going to find out where she works. <laughs> oh God. No, but that, like I get. Printed you, you, and found. You need yeah. to be like you need to be constructive. But yes, I was a new researcher. My first ever thing, like it wasn't nice to read. It yeah. took me a month yeah. to just open that email again. But yeah. so it's really it's, you got to break that cycle for me. I just uh, my, my first yeah. ever first author paper had to go through nine journals before it got accepted. Wow. And I guarantee you, by the sixth and seventh, I remember turning to my supervisor and going, "Really? Is this is this worthwhile?" And it was for various reasons. First two or three, it wasn't good enough. Next few, it was good enough, but it wasn't in the right journal. It wasn't. It was too specialised. They couldn't find it. You know, should it be in radiology? Should it be in um, cardiac? And it kept bouncing between the two, and eventually it found a home, and people are quoting it there. So it's just about perseverance. But you do need that team to be behind you to go. It's all right. Let's have a cup of tea. Let's take these comments one at a time. All right, that might be a bit harsh. Let's just answer professionally, and we'll move on to the next bit, and so on and so forth. I think. It's not easy, is it? You know, taking that criticism because we all want to do the best. Nobody puts in a bad grant application on purpose. You only put in the best that you can do, and that's until you try your hardest. So it's tough, definitely, definitely tough. Claire, what challenges and opportunities? We're always thinking about the positives. Do you think there are in your role now and within radiology? Uh, okay. So the challenge is clear that we're in a stuffing workplace crisis. <laughs> what was that, Claire? Sorry? <laughs> I need to go to G session. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, clearly we're, the challenge is we're in the midst of a workforce crisis and that's not going away. Um, so I think we have to think differently about how we recruit and... And that, and that means fundamentally challenging some of the, perhaps the experience and the work that you've always worked with yeah. and, and how you might do things differently. So um, we've recently created a post that's shared between the adult sector and the paediatric sector. It's not been done anywhere else as far as I know. Um, but the applicants uh, received it really well and were like, wow, why has this not been done before? And I think for us in paediatrics, we just assume if you want to work in children, you'll only want to work in children. But I think there is a whole cohort of radiographers yeah. who enjoy adult practice, they enjoy A&E, they yeah. enjoy geriatric care, and we don't offer any of that in Great Ormond Street. Why leave that just to do paediatrics? And actually in the hospital that we've, we've uh, tailored up with, they've got paediatrics in their hospital too. There's not many hospitals that actually don't have any children coming through it. Yeah. They might not be offering specialist services, but children are still coming through the door yeah. every day. And I think there's reciprocal learning on both parts, and it's just the start of that journey for us. But hopefully, that will grow, and suddenly we'll have a partnership kind of employment. I mean, the challenges are, you know, there's bureaucracy at every level. You know, when you're trying to do something that's never been done before, well, how are we going to make that work? And, and what's the contract going to look like? And, and who's HR department is dealing with that? And actually, does that need an honorary contract? And who's paying who? Yeah. You've just got to work your way through all of that and be tenacious, really, and yeah. a bit stubborn about it. This is what we're doing. Yeah. So we're not going to let this stop us. So just forge that path through and see how we go. But I think it's just about coming to events like this yeah. and stopping and thinking and listening 
and just giving yourself the headspace. I haven't checked any work emails for a couple of days, yeah. and it's given me the headspace yeah. to think actually how we might do things differently going forwards. And actually, the challenge is making sure that when I'm back in the department, I don't instantly fall yeah. back into the okay, well, I need to clear that inbox now, and I've got 20 meetings that I haven't been. Yeah. And actually, making sure you facilitate some of the change that you've seen into new practice. And that for me is what makes the job really interesting. Yeah. I don't want to do things the same way that has been done for the last 20 years. Maybe the fact that I've been there for 20 years drives me even further to do that. But that's what that's what is interesting. So Ian obviously has research in terms of CPD. You know, I would imagine being in in that area, you're constantly learning and developing your skills. Claire, as a manager, do you, you know how do you develop your leadership and managerial skills? Is it through the experience, or do you do extra study or um, extra courses specifically to try and yeah, so I've done, I've done leadership and development courses, um, and I still keep my handy very much in MRI, so I lecture on a number of postgraduate programmes about paediatric MRI, um, I will often pop up at events like this and speak, <laughs> I'm having a year off this year. Um, Watch this space. Yeah, it's really important to become relevant, I think, and not yeah. just, well, when I used to practice, I used to do this, yeah. you know, and it's really important that you are a visible leader in the department, you know, and during the pandemic, you know, I was taking x-rays and, and for some members of the team, they didn't even realise I was a radiographer because I was spending so much time <laughs> in yeah. meetings, yeah. not in a uniform, yeah. you know, trying to fight for radiographers PPE and everything that everybody else was fighting for in hospitals at the same time. But actually, I kind of made me really reflect that, wow, they don't even realise that I am a radiographer and actually yeah. that, hugely challenged that since making sure I'm out there and in the clinical spaces and making sure that people know that fundamentally I am their professional lead and I, I'm their lead. Yeah. I do wonder whether, you know this first question about culture, I wonder whether that also helps develop the culture because you're there working clinically, yeah. being visible. I definitely have worked in, in places before where I never knew what the manager was. We could go months without necessarily seeing the manager. We'd get the emails and, you know, in staff meetings, there'd be updates from that staff manager. But I do think visibility is so important. And just talking to staff about how are they feeling appreciated. Absolutely. I think, and, you know, having those opportunities, like this has been a great opportunity. We've got six members of the team from Great Hill Street at this event from our fan six rotational a radio tribe, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Three of you in here. Yeah. There's more to come. Yeah, we'll send the others through. Yeah. But you know, that in some things of a team, you know, if we yeah. had a team dinner last night, like we would know that six of us wouldn't ordinarily go out socialising on a Monday night. Yeah. But actually, suddenly, we are a team because we brought the team here. Yeah. And you know, we've got a stunt. Um, in the exhibition, we've had people come through, ask us all kinds of questions, we've had six of us, and between all the six of us, we've been able to answer every single question yeah. that people have got, asking about research, asking about advanced practice, asking about paediatric practice, and asking about recruitment and how you can work at Koch. And I think this, it's built in teams within teams within teams, and hopefully, you know, people at this event this week will go back into the department and go, She's all right, Claire. Isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'll let. We'll come back next year, and I'll tell you. <laughs> if, yeah, I'm sure you will. We'll have you in here again. So my last question. Last question. Um, 
Are you going to G? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she's very determined, isn't she? Yes, she is. Very determined. Um, you each get to tell each other live on a podcast that will go down in history. Your kids might access. What's the one thing that really annoys you at home? <laughs> <laughs> we got time. <laughs> <laughs> only, one, only one, Ian. Um, um... Oh, Feels like a counselling session. Doesn't it? Yeah, doesn't yeah, it? I don't even relax. Like, Thank you so much. Thank you guys.